Welcome to the Prophecy Club. I've got three guests with me in studio today. It's a very rare occasion to have three guests in studio. The first one is sitting behind me as I'm looking at the monitor in front of me, and that is David Phillips. You've heard him on the radio many times. He works part-time with the Prophecy Club and has for, I don't know, we need to look it up, seven or eight years. And then over to my left, we have Brandon Flournoy. He is a plumber out of Abilene. And he has become a really, really close and good friend of the ministry and Stan and Leslie. He was also a purple shirt at the crusade, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And then David Phillips behind me, though he is about to be the new voice of the Prophecy Club, we're going to bring him in probably at least on a part-time basis. But what we think he's probably going to be, as I get more busy He's probably going to be the new voice of the Prophecy Club. And he was not wearing a purple shirt. He was actually setting the audience. So we're going to be talking about the crusade from three different points of view this morning. And no, we don't have any notes other than just what was going on at the crusade at the time. So I will be talking about it from the minister's point of view. And then David Phillips behind me is going to be talking on it from the audience point of view. And then Mr. Brandon Flournoy is going to be talking about it from the purple shirts. So I guess we first probably ought to start and explain, Brandon, what's a purple shirt? Uh, a purple shirt is somebody that is busy from sunup past sundown. <laughs> you get about three hours Are you saying of sleep we overworked and, you? Uh, well, you know, I mean, we got fed, so maybe overwork's not quite the word. But anyway, yes, a lot of work uh, had to be literally. Heard. You showed up at six o'clock in the morning, and you were the last out at probably what eleven, eleven thirty at night. Yeah, eleven, twelve, somewhere in there, just depending on what all needed to be in other set words, up. You or, were you were staff. You were helping with the crusade. Now, yes. specifically, what did you do? Uh, I was Pastor Massey's arm bearer, so we made sure that uh, he was taking care of any request he had uh, any special anything we got it for him made sure that uh, he had his food was at the service had help with whatever literally now, whatever how many he needed purple shirts were there about 22 yes there was a, a number of purple and shirts 17 of them had walkie-talkies that's exactly right why did you have the walkie-talkies uh, i was just for very efficient <laughs> communication uh, if someone was catching people and another minister needed oil, but they couldn't leave, if somebody fell out, you can't just let them hit the just floor. Just push the button and say, you, hey, you I push need the oil. button, get somebody some oil. Someone else that was available would just take care of it right then and there. It made the crusade very, very efficient. Yeah, that's one of the things Clara said. They said, we have never been to a meeting, a conference, a crusade, or anything that was so professionally run as this. Yeah, to, uh, communication is the key. And uh, we were able to get, for example, Scalar needed some coffee during one of the meetings. And uh, I was able to go get that for him, even though Chris Ricciatelli was his armor bearer. Uh, it was just more convenient for me. And so you push a button and bingo. You're push talking a button, to there we go. people, and it happens, and it happens now. Mm -hmm. Now, my daughter Leslie Ann was in charge of the purple shirts. What would you think of her? Uh, you know, she's... Uh, She's a little firecracker. <laughs> she and I say little because she's you know she's short. She's not a big lady by any means, but she's very loving. She took care of everyone. She, she was, might hear this. She better say something nice <laughs> and she, passionate. Yeah, no, she, she is she, passionate about serving. 
Yes. Yes. And she professional. She got the point across, but she was not ugly or mean. She very professional, but very loving. <laughs> very very caring about uh and very organized. Yes, yes. But still, again, she, she was very much about communication. If you were going to be late uh, at a certain function, just let her know. And she would roll with that and show forgiveness and, and be very kind and merciful to you. Uh, but she, she, she was on a mission. Okay, since you're the purple shirt, you're the guy that's behind the scenes. How did the crusade go from your perspective? Uh, it went better than I really thought it would. We had was it three four hundred people somewhere? I heard the number three eighty someplace. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of people there, and for that many people with the tasks at hand, I think it went extremely well. It was a lot of hard work, but uh, uh, even even the purple shirts uh, we were able to receive from the Lord, and and uh, we were anointed and and prayed over and all those things. So it went very well for everyone. I think. All right, let's talk about the crusade. Let's talk about what happened. Now, we've already discussed Saturday morning's talk. Leslie was talking on the Kundalini spirit. And then that afternoon, we invited people to come forward for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was thinking, in error, that probably most of the people in the room had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Wrong. No, they didn't. I would say that 70 or 80% of the people in the room came forward to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Would you agree that's, with that? That's exactly correct, yes. And there there were even a few that had to come back uh, a second or a third time. Just uh, They would receive the baptism, but they just couldn't get the language out, and they would go back Speaking to their the room. Time, right. Yes, they, they would go back to their room and meditate on that and work on it, and then come back and basically just receive a little more so counsel. how many of them actually got it? I, that I know of, everybody got it before the crusade was over. Okay, all right. There were a few that I was able to personally talk to and and help a little bit, and before it was over, I heard their prayer language. Okay, now, what kind of comments did you hear from people that got it? In other words, in terms of life change. The comments were pretty well the same from everyone, and that is they've never been to anything like this before, and they've never seen literally the Lord move in such a miraculous way. That's what everybody said. They yeah, said this is the best thing that they've ever, even to people that go to their conferences and follow with the ministries, they said there's nothing anywhere close to this. Is that what you heard, David? Life-changing for the people that got to receive that gift. Okay, so 70 or 80% of the people there came forward to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they all got it. They all got a major life change. I know that, I mean, I could tell a 10-minute story about how I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and still to this day, and I got it, like, I think it was December, I remember this because it's Pearl Harbor Day, December 7th, 1987, I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you when I was water baptized, but I can tell you when I was spirit baptized. And it was the biggest single change spiritually in my life, and I still say that today. It was like being hit with a Mack truck, and I went into orbit in terms of spiritually serving the Lord. Any other comments on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what you saw people get out of it? I think that the really big surprise that we could see from the minister's perspective was that the expectation was that we would have a few people come up. And when it was called for, that if anybody had not yet received this gift, they should come forward. 
you could see the eyes go big of the ministers because there was so many people yes. that came up. Yes. The people kept coming. And, and I think, yeah. Well, yes, we had to back up and punt with organization because so many people came up front. We didn't have the room for the ministers and the. Even and, though we planned it, we didn't yeah. plan that many. Right. So we had to get them all in a line. We had to just basically half of you come up, half of you sit down for a minute. Let's get you guys in a line. We had to have the catchers behind everyone. We had to organize the ministers. It it just it turned into chaos for just a second. And then in addition, we also had some of the audience come up who had already received the gift because there was such a need for people to actually receive the gift and to actually show evidence of that gift so that they knew that they knew that they had received it. In so other you words, could, this is not fluff stuff. No, not this at all. Is, right. This is the real McCoy, the real thing that really happens. Is that what you saw too? Straight up. Yes, sir. Okay, now, you, you said catcher. Would you explain what you're talking about there? Well, when whenever people get prayed over, with uh, ministers, there are times when uh, an anointing just just hits someone and they fall back, and we need to have somebody there so they gently lay on the floor instead of you know bonking their head on a chair or a pew or a table, and then just you know. So it's professionalism and it's organization. Oh, now, oh absolutely. And was there just very little of that, or was there quite a bit of that? Uh, there were there were a lot of people that ended up laying out for a little while. All right, now, if that's a sign of the power of God being in the room, how much power of God was in the room? Uh, it was it was almost more than I could stand. I uh, Even before meetings, I would walk in the room uh, and touch tables and bless things and, and pray over the podium, for example, but the anointing was so heavy there. Even before the meetings, I would have to sit down and relax for a minute. Just, just very, very heavy. Okay, so... That Saturday afternoon, we had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That evening, I talked on the more simple of the two charts. That is talking about the seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven vials. Your comments on that? Fantastic. It was an overview of the book. And it was probably one of the easier uh, things to discuss. And so it was a really good way to just get into the general understanding of the timing of how everything takes place. And you started to see how things really do fit together in a very logical, organized way. And that starts to open up other pieces of the topics of the book that you have to discuss later. It's great. I mean, we're here every Friday for the Bible study. We go through the book. The way the book is laid out, it makes everything compatible. I mean, it makes it easy for you to understand and to download the way you present everything even though some of the things, the way they're worded in the Bible, can appear to be complicated, the way you present it with the charts, the seven years, seven months, and seven days, the way it's broken down, anyone at any level can understand what's to come. Well, see, that's one of my real questions because I thought, you know, this is like maybe maybe too complicated. Maybe I'm going to hear people say, oh, man, I, I read two, three pages. I just put that book down. I threw that thing away. You know, this is way too complicated. I can't understand this. Way too complicated. What no, no. The way you present, the way the charts are laid out, uh, it's, it's literally for the masses. It doesn't matter what uh, intelligent level or education you have. Everyone gets this. So if they're an avid prophecy student... Then it uh, it's it's a piece of cake for them. 
it's there's there's a lot to understand. There's a lot to process. So the information level is high, but as far as an intelligence level and being able to understand what the book is explaining, uh, it's it's for everyone. And if they're brand new to prophecy, they'll get it. They'll so get they it. Don't, uh, now, what about if they're pre-trip? Doesn't talk about that. There's no mention of any of those sorts of beliefs. It just literally explains what God wanted us to understand from the book. I hear some people, actually a lot of people, say that when they're getting through the book, it begins to take the fear away of the last day. Absolutely. I experienced that firsthand myself. Yeah, you have some concern. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's just for the unknown. But studying, reading the book, and being next to you, and your teaching of the book, it literally takes the fear away. Absolutely. It really does. And, you know, starting off in this way really worked well because for us, a lot of times we start thinking about prophecy in terms of timelines. What's going to happen first? What's going to happen next? And this was so clearly laid out as to how it all flows together. You get a really good, just general understanding of of the things and, and when they take place. And then when you get to go into some of the deeper things, they all fit within that. So it really worked well. Okay, so the evening me talking on the seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials was a big hit. Mm-hmm. All right, now let's talk about the next morning. So this is, now we're going to Sunday morning, and Maurice Galar gets up and he plays his violin, and he talks for a little bit. Your comments on that? When he plays the violin, the atmosphere in the room changes. It does, doesn't it? And it's not, I mean, I'm not talking about a little bit. When he starts playing, you there's just something that God's given him to just change the atmosphere of the room. And that was just amazing. Every time it happened, you could sense a change. Amen. Amen. Uh, Leslie said she's never seen the anointing come into a room so fast as when he is playing that violin. I, it, it's a supernatural thing because yeah. you, you, how can you play a, supreme, a stringed instrument like that and that happened, but that happens when he plays. It really does. And uh, it's very, very powerful, very powerful. Okay, so then we go to Sunday afternoon. Now, this is the oil. And to tell you what I did there, and this is a little bit of what I told them, I said, so back in 2006, by the hand of God, we accidentally, Leslie and I, found ourselves in Grasse, France. And we actually went to Molinard. Now, Molinard is the place, like, for example, where real big, famous perfume people go to make their perfume. For example, this is where we discovered that Elizabeth Taylor, for example, went to make her famous white diamonds perfume and some other ones of which she sold millions of dollars. So this is a room that seats about 20 people kind of around a big boardroom table as I recall, they have 180 different fragrances. They even have cat urine. Don't laugh, because that's actually one of the more popular fragrances that is used in a lot of perfumes. Wow. Cat urine. Because I know. I, thought, <laughs> I never would have thought really? that. Really? I mean, but all kinds of fragrances from around the world, not just flowers, all kinds of fragrances. But they showed us how to make perfume. We actually made some perfume. Leslie made a perfume. They showed us that there's a base. There's actually three things that goes into a perfume, how to make it. And so you dip these little bitty 
paper things in their the various fragrances, and then you kind of fan it in the air to dry the alcohol out of it, and then you smell it. And then the ones you like, and you put various drops of various portions in there. And Leslie made a perfume that she calls the perfect touch. And I might add, still to this day, <laughs> it sells a lot. The la- You're shaking your head. Did you smell it too? Yeah. 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 Well, Sharonda, my wife, she works the product table for the crusade and they just, they couldn't keep up with it. Well, it's, and it's very popular. Yeah. It's very good. And the ingredients are natural ingredients, oh, yeah, which yeah, yeah, you yeah, just yeah. don't see these days. Everything's got all these chemicals, but this smells great. Yeah. It's light, but you still get that fragrance, and it's all natural. So I was amazed. I took a sample. I want to have my wife smell it and get yeah. her thoughts yeah, on it. it yeah, it, a lot of people get it. Very. I mean, it is great. It. They love it. So she, from that, uh, and of course I should say, I, I made also uh, a perfume for myself, and when I was over there, I didn't know what to call it, so I called it Stan. <laughs> well... <laughs> I made a mistake, I think, in the way I made it. I made it too woody. So here about a month or so ago, when this crusade was coming up, we decided we would offer Leslie's perfume. And I said, well, okay, I want to make a change in the formula for mine. And so I had them reduce the amount of, because I know what the ingredients are. It's, it's a formula, okay? So I said, I want you to reduce this, reduce the woody scent. And what they sent back Actually, I think it's really good, and uh, we're probably going to start offering mine too. Um, What's it called? I, I call it Revelation. So the new it's formula name. that that is now called Revelation. Matter of fact, I have some on now, and I love it, and Leslie does too. So now we have two hit perfumes, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Leslie's is available. And probably, if you wanted mine, we. We need to find a bottle and get it all arranged to to offer it. We're not set up to offer mine yet, but hers is available. Now, let me go to the next thing. We're heading to the oil here, what we did with the oil. So in the process of learning to make a perfume, obviously you can apply the same principles to making an anointing oil. So Leslie also has an anointing oil that she calls the perfect touch. And it is based upon the Perfect Touch perfume, but it is not the same ingredients. It's really based upon more like frankincense and myrrh. And it's very popular. And when she prays for people, she anoints them with the Perfect Touch anointing oil, not perfume, anointing oil. She also made another one called Crown of Glory. And that's also very popular. And I guess at the table, you probably had a lot of people getting that too, right? Yes, I mean pretty well the the perfume and both of the oils. Uh, Sharon people really said like they just couldn't keep up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I wanted to make a special oil, and the reason is is well here I'll, I've got the phrase written down. I'm called to build an end time army of prophecy teachers working miracles. So I wanted to make a special oil specifically for me to anoint the people to receive the anointing, to teach prophecy, to give an answer of prophecy, and also to flow in sevenfold miracles. So I prayed through it, and I, I used, of course, we used the base of frankincense and myrrh, because that's out of the Bible. But then I put another secret ingredient in it, and we mixed up like a couple of quarts. Then we put them into small four milliliter bottles. Now that's about the size 
of your little finger from your second knuckle to the end of your finger, okay? And, and let me pause because I need to explain to you what I discovered. Probably 20 years ago, we were in Topeka, had a good friend there, and I was impressed. I said, look, at I'm impressed that I need to pray and anoint you to be a prophet. And he was, at the time, just a table worker. And he says, okay. So I reached over and I grabbed the bottle. And this is just plain olive oil. But as I was picking up the bottle, I was impressed that I need to pour the whole bottle on him. And I didn't care about the carpet, the olive oil getting on the carpet. Just tough. We'll have to deal with that. But I said, so with your permission, I'd like to pour the whole bottle on you. He said, uh, okay. So he thought, okay, you know, well, there go this set of clothes. So I opened the lid and I poured and I anointed him to be in the, the office of a prophet. And I poured that whole quart bottle of olive oil on him. And he, like, even jerked back. I didn't care. I just moved that bottle. I kept it right on top of him. <laughs> and I poured that whole quart oil on him. Hallelujah. He had an immediate change. Change of heart. Change of personality. He became a prophet there and then. And he still is today. And he runs a very, very powerful ministry to this day in Wichita, Kansas. So I learned there that just putting a little daub of oil on someone's forehead is not the same as putting a, a good amount of oil. So I wanted to put an anointing oil on people that I prayed for. I didn't want to do a whole court. It would make a mess every place. But I didn't want to just do a daub either. So I thought about it, prayed about it for a long time, and I thought, I think that what I want to do, what I was impressed to do, is to have just a small amount. What we arrived at is four milliliters. It's a little bitty bottle. So here's what we did. I, and only I, prayed over all of these little bitty bottles, the oil in them. And there was this, a lot of them. I mean, yeah, how yeah. many bottles were there? This, yeah, well, this I, was a big job. When I you think take it was a 500 look, bottles. You could see a lot of time and I laid and hands on them, and I prayed a rather lengthy and a rather powerful prayer over those bottles. Specifically, the primary thing I'm asking for is that people would get the anointing to walk in sevenfold miracles and to teach prophecy. And I explained to them, I said, now, I know you may be thinking this is a bunch of ball humbug. And I said, the reason you're probably thinking that is the same reason I did. I said, but back in 1997, we were in Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma, at a crusade, and the pastor at the church that we were holding the crusade at, he says, have you ever been ordained? I said, no. He said, well, you need to be. And I thought, just a piece of paper. I don't need no paper. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, if you haven't been ordained as a minister, you need to be. And he says, and it's not just a piece of paper. I said, all right, all right, fine. So me and Leslie stood up there, and they anointed with oil, and they prayed over us. They gave us a little piece of paper. And I was thinking it was just another you know, piece of paper. I was wrong because when they anointed me and Leslie and they ordained us, there was a change. Then I read in the scriptures that when God wanted to make Saul change him from a person, a normal person to a king, he sent Samuel. When he wanted to change David, a little ruddy man, a little boy, from a boy to be a king, he sent Samuel and he anointed him with oil. Now, aside from whether one was a vial or one was a horn, irrelevant. The point is, the anointing, the pouring on of oil, 
changes. It literally gives them an additional spirit, a new spirit, a new call. And I said, that's what's about to happen with this. And then we had them come up in groups of about 20 people. If you can't kneel down, that's fine. I understand a few people had to sit in chairs. But I'd prefer that you kneel down as a sign of surrender. And here's what I'm going to do. After I pray for this, I'm going to come up. And I'm going to open this little bottle of four, four milliliters. And I'm going to go by and I'm going to pour it on you. And then I'm going to lay hands on you. And I'm going to ask that you be given the gift of teaching prophecy and walking in sevenfold miracles. Then the other ministers, uh, Masih, Maurice, Leslie, Lou, and Sunhi came behind me also laying hands on. So, and that part went pretty quick. So we spent the rest of the uh, afternoon anointing people in the oil. And then, of course, they were wiping it off and they had to go take a shower and all of that sort of stuff. So they came back in. I said, now, how many of you immediately felt a change? And I thought there was somewhere between 80 or 90% of the hands go up. Is that what you thought? I thought it was about 95 plus percent. I mean, pretty much everybody really noticed a big change. Now, you specifically got a change. Tell us about it. You know, um, the change was significant. There was an immediate change, and you knew it. Uh, and the best way that I can explain it as, as an example is, in the past when I would speak to people about the Lord, God would definitely give me things to say to them, and I knew that God was speaking through me. But after that anointing, it was completely different. When I would speak to somebody about the Lord, about what I felt the Lord was telling them, I felt an anointing. And so What do you mean you felt an What does it feel like? Well, that's the point. I felt an anointing. I'll, I'll explain it in just a moment. But I felt an anointing, and it was unquestionable. I knew at certain points that I, when I was talking to somebody that it was from the Lord right on. And I'm guessing that everybody's anointing might feel a bit different. I'm not exactly sure. But for me, I would get a tingling at, on, like around my back area all that over. you never felt before. N right. And I would get, so this tingling would be like on the back, on my back, going from probably like my shoulders area in that area and up to right around like the back of my head area. Mm -hmm. And consistently when I would speak to somebody and, you know, in, in different times I would get that anointing and then I would know that what I was saying wasn't from me. Right. It was from the Lord. Right. And the intensity was so great that I knew exactly when it was on, when I was saying something that was of the Lord. Nothing like that that I can ever remember was so distinct and so powerful. And when you talk to somebody, I can't tell you the number of times that I would talk to somebody and they would start crying. They would, the, you could see the tears coming. So you're saying you became a new man. I'm saying that the anointing that I was given was when I would, same person, but the words that came out were anointed of God. And I could wow. see that because I can't tell you the number of times that I would tell somebody something and I would speak to them and the issue that they were dealing with. And I had no idea. This is not me. And you would just see the tears come to their eyes. And you, and I've had, I had people say, you could not have known that about me there. You do not know me. I've never talked to you before. 
And I said, that's, that's exactly the point. This is the Lord. It's not me. And I know it's the Lord because I feel the anointing. But never before had I felt the anointing in such a distinct way that I knew that it was there. And I had one brother tell me, if I only had received the word that you gave me after just talking to me and praying with me, it would have been worth the whole conference. Wow. And that is such a humbling thing because that's not me. It's not me at all. It's the Lord. But that happened after the anointing, not before. Okay. If you'd like to get my book, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, 1 for 20, 5 for 30, 10 for 55, and we also have a case price, 60 for $250. That's about 4 bucks a book. 60 for $250. 1 for 20. Don't do that. 5 for 30, 10 for 55, or a case price of 60 for $250. At prophecyclub.com prophecyclub.com get the book read the book and you'll understand prophecy like never before thank you for listening thank you for your prayers and thank you for your gifts of support god bless at watchprophecyclub.com you can have instant access to over 200 titles on a recurring monthly subscription of $20 or yearly for $200 at watchprophecyclub.com That's $6,000 worth of information at WatchProphecyClub.com. That's WatchProphecyClub.com. What a deal.